Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Well, I don't know about knowing the Bible inside out. I know bits of it quite well, but it's, a, it's an amazing book. Amazing book, isn't it? And, and it's just so full of, full of revelation and, and it just ceases to amaze me even some of the things I know and I read them again and just, there's more things you learn. It's just, it's just, it really just demonstrates the heart of God. You know, God is just so big, so wonderful, so awesome. And, you know, just in a sense, in our, in our natural intellect, he, he's so hard to understand. We think of the bigness and the vastness of God. You think, oh, wow, you know, who created this universe. And yet he chose to come and human form through Jesus to show us truly what he was like. It says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus was the express image in the exact likeness of God. When the disciples in John 14 asked, how do we know the Father? Jesus said, well, if you know me, you know the Father. It's probably the single, in my mind, the single greatest revelation we can get is to see that Jesus as he came in his humanity from the incarnation through his life to, his, to the cross, to his death, burial and resurrection, he demonstrated in that span of time exactly what God was like. Exactly what God was like. We serve a God who, who hangs out with sinners, who's not threatened by being with sinners. He hangs out with the misfits and, and those that are, that are culturally not acceptable in his time. He's got no problem hanging out with those, those type of people. He's a God that demonstrated his love to us by going around doing good and healing all the repressed of the devil. He's a God that when he met those sinners and met those people in different cultures, he didn't just leave them there, but he, he met the answers to their needs. And he's a God that chose to come and, and die for us. You know, that's the demonstration of his love for you and I, that he would choose to come, to come right into our sin, wicked state, identify with that, then conquer that, and through that demonstrate his love for us. That's just, it's just amazing. So we, we, we do know what God's like when we look in the face of Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And it's... Okay, thank you, Lord. Can I just pray? Father, I just pray that this morning that you would help me to say what you want to say, Lord, that you'll help me to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and Father, that the words that are, that are spoken will, will bring life and bring change, and Lord, there'll be a spirit of revelation and understanding here that will grow in our knowledge of you, and Lord, that we will encounter you in the depths of our hearts. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I want to look this morning um, <clears throat> around some, some areas of uh, sort of sort of spiritual warfare, sort of what's, what, what's, what's going on in the realm, realm of the spirit. It's one, of, one of the questions a lot of people have, and I had it for a number of years, is when you, when you recognise that God is love, that God is, he's not just a God who loves, but he is love. In, in 1 John 4, 8, that he is love. And, and so everything that God does comes out of that heart of love, which is demonstrated 
in Jesus going to the cross. It's a, it's a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a love that's given without any expectation of return. When you realise God's like that, the next question that comes after that, then, well, what's going on in, in this world? <clears throat> if God is love, well then, how do, how do we fit everything together in our existence here in this world? When we look around, we see so many um, disasters and tragedies. We see all sorts of sin and evil and things. We, we see a mismatch of, of good and bad. and The, the, the earth is just a, a hodgepodge of, of all sorts of, of activities, a lot of them evil, a lot of them good. How do we reconcile <clears throat> the world we live in with a picture of a God who is love? <clears throat> and we tend to, to gravitate in two, two camps, two broad camps, when we consider that question. One is that we... We look at the fact that God is omnipotent, um, omniscient, he's, he's all-powerful, he knows everything. And we, we, from that perspective, so God has to be in control. If God is all-powerful, he has all, all control, if there's nothing that's impossible to him, well then, <clears throat> in some way then, everything that has happened must have some purpose or some meaning or some existence which is within God's capabilities because if, if God is all powerful which he is we know he can just snap his fingers if he wants and anything can happen if he's that way and he does not step into our situation and correct all the ills of this world well then maybe he has some purpose or some plan um, in what's going on and then somehow he has uh, <clears throat> there's some sort of secret plan going behind the scenes and of course we get this thought comes through. It started. It wasn't actually in the early church. It was started about 300 AD with Augustus of Hippo, some of the um, the Roman church theologians, and they couldn't reconcile this problem because in, in them, the idea was that if God has all power and does nothing, well then it shows that God is weak. Because if He has power, then He can do something about it. If He chooses not to do something about it, well then it shows that there's a weakness in God. So they developed this this. I, this thought, this doctrine that went right through and sort of is kept right through. Calvin sort of amplified a bit, which we call Calvinism. It's been come right through in the evangelical circles that, that somehow God has predestined everything for a purpose. That somehow everything that happens has some purpose and some plan. And what that does, it actually then um, makes God look as bad as the devil. There was two, two evangelists in the 17th century, George Whitfield and, and John Wesley, which you know from, from the Methodist uh, denomination. They had a falling out over this issue because George, George Whitfield, <clears throat> he believed that, that God has predestined everything and everything that's happened has some predetermined plan on God. In other words, God is responsible for everything that happens. John Wesley disagreed with him <clears throat> and he, he couldn't reconcile that, that concept, because to him, that makes God worse than the devil. Because at least we know the devil is bad. But if God is some duality in God where he's good, but sometimes endorses or allows bad, and therefore evil must originate from him, will that make God worse than the devil? And he's, he split right away and obviously looked, there was some biblical um, study going on, and this whole area of predestination and, and God in control is, is quite an issue. It is still actually quite, 
prevalent even in the church today. We tend to sometimes have a, have a backstop when something happens that we don't understand. We say, oh, well, God's in control. Or we say, well, God's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. I want to suggest to you that that is not the God we know. The thing is with... Hello. I don't want to knock that off. <laughs> the thing is to understand what God did right at the start in creation. It was always God's plan for us to be in harmony with him and co-heirs with him in this world. He created us in the beginning in his image, in his likeness. We have us have a likeness to God. That, that in his image, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing the reflection back exactly the same. There was only one God, but we look just like him. So we have the same capacities that God has. Now, if God is love, we have the capacity also to love. So God set up a system which is founded completely and always on love. Love, love is, is, the, is the ointment or the glue, if you like, that holds everything together. Now, love, by the very nature of what love is, has to have choice. There has to be free will. There has to be choice. If I can't love someone in a true relationship without it being reciprocal and be chosen. If God had programmed us <clears throat> that he had control and everything and everything we did was somehow in his plan, if he put a chip in our head that we, we had to respond always in love so there was no evil, there would be no relationship. We'd just be like robots. So God designed us with this capacity to be like him, to choose and to actually settle our own destiny. And that's why he gave us dominion and authority. He said, I give you dominion and authority, you subdue the earth. And he told us to guard the garden. Of course, we know in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent, who is Satan, beguiled Adam and Eve, and we, we, what we call the fall, with sin and evil entered into the world. The reason sin entered into the world was because of the free will and the free choices of humanity, along with the free will and the choices of, of, the, of the angelic realm, the Titan realm. So we're currently in this, in this situation where we, we, we have the, the wonderful privilege to be able to express love. But with that love, there is a, there is a, a downside, and that is that evil and sin actually got an entrance into this world. So the whole idea of God being in control and God being totally controlling and holding everything together in some form is actually not, not a true doctrine. God is not controlling at all. He's not coercive, but he is in charge. And there is a huge difference. If we want to think about predestination, predestination has been a big topic in the church, is that if, if you think about it, there are some things that are predestinated. I mean, I mean God did choose to come and Jesus to come on the cross for so some things that are predestinated if you think about the service this morning <clears throat> that some, somewhere here in the leadership decided they're going to have a 10 o'clock service every Sunday morning Josh prepared what he has to prepare I prepared what I have to prepare Mark's prepared what he has that was all done beforehand in a sense that was predestined that was going to happen no matter what we're going to start at 10 o'clock we're going to do these sort of things it was predestined but you guys are here by choice. There's some people that have chosen not to be here and there's some people that have chosen to be here. 
And that's how it works. There are some things that God has foreordained and predestined, but it does not take away from our individual ability to choose, which is why we, we, we need to choose Jesus Christ, of course. And we know right through the Bible, this whole principle of um, God putting before us life and death and telling us to choose. Isn't it? The other side of the debate, we, get, we handle the one that God, God's not in control and he's in charge, not in control, and the, the, that we have <clears throat> um, free will, etc. The other side that can happen is that we can end up thinking then that it's all our responsibility, it's all, all, all about us. And that's the other side of the ditch which we can often fall into. We can think then, well, if God has given us free will, <clears throat> Jesus has come, he's set it all straight, we received Jesus, and then we've now been given the commission to bring the, the kingdom here on earth. Well, then, that means then it's my responsibility, it falls upon us to do that. That's right, and I'm going to talk about this this morning. That's right, but we have to be careful that we don't actually think, end up getting into religion, getting into performance, getting into work hard, getting to try hard to where, where we think it's all about me, I've got to work. I want to address that this morning. I want to look at three kingdoms, <clears throat> the three, three dominant kingdoms which, which we live in. The first one we know really well, and that's the kingdom of this world. We're born, we're physical, this world, world is physical, we have our senses, we're born into this world, it's, it's our domain, it's what has been given to us by God, it's what we are to, to have governance over, we understand this world, this is the world, it's a, it's, it's a physical realm, it's what uh, we perceive with our senses, it's what we, we train in to, to um, function in. In, in sense of, of we're taught by our parents how to do things, we educate ourselves, we, we work in it, we do well. We know that world. It's the kingdom of, of this world. <clears throat> we have two, two other realms. We have the kingdom of God and then we have the kingdom of darkness. And I want to just look at those two kingdoms this morning and how they relate to where we are here on this earth. The kingdom of God is is the, the realm that we enter into through salvation. It says in, in Romans 14 verse 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, I look at it this way, the entrance into the kingdom is by Jesus becoming sin for us so we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is the entrance in to the kingdom of God. If you're born again this morning, if you ask Jesus into your life, well then you have been born again into the kingdom. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're in right standing with God. The operation of the kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And the outcome of the kingdom is joy. And it's all in the Holy Spirit. And our role as Christians <clears throat> is to demonstrate that kingdom to the world. Some people, some people 
wonder, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, is, is um, what's the will of God for my life? And I like what Bill Johnson said. He, he, he just said, find something you enjoy doing, something you love, just do it. But while you're doing that, while you're doing that, be Jesus to the world. Be Jesus to the world. Take hold of the commission, the great commission in the end of Matthew and the end of Mark, to go into the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. Just do that wherever you are. Bring, bring the kingdom of God into your environment. And you can do that in any situation and any place. Now, some of us are called. I mean, there's different people here God will have spoken to about specific calls and, and things upon their life. But many of us don't know that from an early age. You know, like I think often those that are called to something significant know very early on. A lot of, lot of us can just wonder, well, where do I fit? Well, the Bible tells you that's where you fit. You represent Jesus in this world. We're to represent Jesus to this world. We're to go about doing good, healing all the oppressed of evil. We're just simply to love on people and to bring the kingdom of God into their domain. That's what God wants. That's why he, he said in, in Matthew 6, he said, pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven, to be here on earth. Now, what, what's in heaven? If you, if you think about heaven, what's, what's there? I mean, there's certainly no sorrow. There's no sickness. There's no sadness. There's no distress. There's no anxiety. There's no... All those negative things are not in heaven. And God's will is for heaven to manifest itself here on earth. And you and I have been given everything that's necessary through what Jesus did on the cross for us to accomplish that goal. You're sons and daughters of God. <clears throat> You've been given the divine nature and all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've been given the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. That's resident within your heart with the Holy Spirit because your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you. <clears throat> you have the fruit of the Spirit within you. You've been given the gifts of the Spirit so you can have words of knowledge. You can, you can have gifts of healing. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? You know, <clears throat> we, we, have a, we have an enemy. We have a kingdom of darkness that is, that is trying and has always tried to distort that picture of who we really are and distort that ministry or that that uh, will of God to bring heaven to earth has always been trying to distort that. And sometimes, historically, you can see that, that the church is brought in to some of the lies. But God is restoring things in this day. There's a restoration taking place, and it's, and it's centred around understanding the love of God and understanding who we are. And we're seeing more and more now of, of the... the the demonstration of the kingdom of God in this earth. And we're going to see a lot more. So how, how, do, we, how do we then facilitate this? You know, if, if, we, if we've been given, given all these things from God, 
We know our commission. We know what the will of God is. How, how do we then facilitate this? How do we actually manage this, this to bring God's will in the sense of, in terms of what we do? How, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? And I want to, want to suggest that there's an aspect of, of spiritual warfare or contending in the spirit that we need to be aware of. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There's a battle. There's a battle raging in, in the realm of the spirit. There's a battle contending for what God wants. The good thing is that Jesus has already won the victory. You know, the cross, sometimes we think of the cross, we're going to be taking communion later when we, we look, you know, look at the, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, but sometimes, sometimes we, we think of the cross only in perspective of our, our own personal need and our own personal salvation. <clears throat> and of course, that's what's important to us. That's the reason Jesus came, was to, was to restore our relationship with God. But you know, the cross is actually a bigger much bigger than that. God, Jesus on the cross didn't only just restore us and bring us redemption, but he actually dealt with the issue of sin and evil. He dealt with the kingdom of darkness upon the cross. It says in 1 John 3, 8, for for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose the cross for this purpose he was manifest made known that he might destroy the works of the devil it says in Hebrews 2:14 <clears throat> that Jesus conquered death and he conquered the one or he conquered death and he conquered the one who had death or holds death and that is the devil it says in Colossians 2:16 it said that did Jesus <clears throat> He triumphed over all principalities and powers and made a spectacle of them, disarming them. We can see that on the cross, that this, the, the realm of darkness, the realm of, of Satan and demons and all those principalities and powers, we see on the cross that Jesus, he dealt with those, he destroyed them, he defeated them. The thing is that we also have in the Bible, we've got verses like <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, which says that, the Satan is the God of this world. Ephesians 2.2 2 says that, that he is the prince, the power of the air. <clears throat> we see in um, 1, 1 John chapter 5, verse, verse 17, it says that, that, um, that wickedness lies, lies all over the world. That's my paraphrase, I can't remember. <laughs> but we see these verses, so we, we've got, a, we've got a, a paradox here. We've got, a, got something that's, that seems a little bit amiss. On one hand... The devil and the demons are defeated on the cross. On the other hand, they're still operating and still contending in this world. They're contending for the things of God. They're contending for our happiness. They're contending for our peace. And we're in this, in this battle. <clears throat> so what's going on? I was trying to think of, a, of an analogy for this, and the, the best thing I could come up with was, if anyone who remembers some of the history around the Second World War, we know that in June the 6th, 1944, there was, all the Allies got together and they uh, stormed the beach at Normandy, France. 
They stormed the Battle of Normandy. They defeated the Germans, <clears throat> pushed them back. And most historians will say that that event at that date was actually the victory that won the Second World War. That was the victory. That was, that was the, 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 in a sense, the, the culminating battle that actually destroyed the Germans and allowed victory. But the victory itself didn't come till almost 12 months later, which they call V-Day. It took a time span from when the victory was won normally until Germany finally surrendered. That's a little like where we're at now. The devil has been defeated, <clears throat> but we're still contending and battling in this world to, to bring the kingdom of God and to see what he is doing just completely be annihilated. And that's why Jesus has given us the commission to take authority over demons, deliverance, cast out devils, those sort of things. The thing is, we're not just contending with, with, with the principalities and powers in the sense of their angelic form, whatever form they're in. We're, we're actually contending with the philosophies of this world. <clears throat> One of the things that happened right in the Garden of Eden when, when, when um, Adam and Eve fell is that the, the whole world systems were infiltrated by Satan. So we're, we're dealing also with political systems, educational systems. There's all sorts of systems and, and theology, um, philosophies and, and um, thinking and education and so forth, which, which has a, a, a taint upon it. And that's why the world is in a mess. That's why the world is such a topsy-turvy place at the moment. And we're here in, the, in this battle. <clears throat> so Jesus won it for us. We're still contending and we've been given the commission or the ministry to actually facilitate that here on earth. How, how, do, we, how do we do that? Well, Ephesians chapter 6 <clears throat> it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces, wicked, wicked forces, etc., in spiritual places. We're in a battle. But the interesting thing about this battle is that we're not in it to win. Now, just think about that. When we enter into a fight or we enter into some sort of warfare, the, the, the goal for most of it is to get victory. Right? Most things you do. If, we, if anyone has a fight, if two boxers have a fight, one, one's victorious, one's not. We, we think at any battle that God brings us into, <clears throat> you know, we fight the fight of faith, and we, in Ephesians, we're, we're, to, we're to rest, put on the armour, we fight. We automatically think of victory, of, of, of winning. As soon as we go down that line, it comes all about us. It comes all about how much I do, how much I pray to get the victory, how much do I fast. All becomes about performance. The revelation I want to really nail home tonight, and I really, this morning, I really believe God wants this, is that we don't fight the fight to win the victory. The victory is already won. So the fight we're in is not to win the victory. The fight we're in is actually to maintain our position and gain territory. 
There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I was thinking of kids, if you, you look at kids that go to you know, preschool or creche or whatever, um, <clears throat> you know, and there might be a toy in the creche that and two kids want it and they sort of wrestle over it and I want it, you want it, I want it, you want it. And there's a little bit of, bit of a, a little bit of fight going on to see who's going to have, have this toy. If you get one of those kids <clears throat> that has been given a toy by their mum and dad or their grandparents or something that's precious to them and that kid takes that personal toy along to the crash, and then another kid wants to play with it, it's a totally different thing because the ownership of that toy is with that kid. And they're not, they're not going to want to lose that because that, that has value to them, been given to them. It's their own personal possession. Now they might put aside, get distracted and do something and some other kid might pick it up and play with it and then at some point they'll think, oh, where is it? And they'll be determined and go and get it because it's theirs. That's the sort of battle we're in. It's not a battle to obtain the victory. Jesus has obtained the victory for us. Our battle is to take back what is ours. It's already done. It's already complete. It's already finished. But there is a war raging and we need to stand up and take our ground. There's many ways we can, we can do this and... and um, we know that you know, faith is such a big aspect of our victory. Um, I want to I look at one aspect this morning, um, and that is the whole aspect of rest. It, it's really, really interesting because we think in this spiritual battle that's going on in, in, our, in our quest to to bring about the kingdom of God, to preach the gospel, to lay hands, we, 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 we do that. But we sometimes undervalue the whole aspect of rest. <clears throat> and we can very easily get into striving, we can get into taking upon ourselves that responsibility that it's up to me. And it's, it's not that it's not up to you, because we've we, you know, we, we got to walk the feet, we've got to be the hands, we've got, we've got to do those sort of things. But, but we can do that out of a place of rest rather than out of a place of striving, a place of feeling that we ought to. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's a story there. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's the children of Israel. In fact, Gideon mentioned it on, when, when he was there before. It's a story of, of um, where they, they, they came out of bondage and, and, and God gave them um, the promise of entering into a new land, the promised land. And it was actually, from memory, I think it was an 11-day journey. It might, have, it might be 12. It was an 11- or 12-day journey for them to get there. <clears throat> and, of course, we know that they, they went through the promised land, they saw the miracles, saw the amazing hand of God move. And then they started to murmur and do some things and, and they ended up walking around the wilderness for 40 years. 11-day journey took 40 years. And there's a lot, excuse me, that happened within that time. 
The author of Hebrews uses that as a story. He, he said that the, the, preacher was, that the gospel was preached to them just as it's preached to us. And he said, I never entered in, it says they because of an evil heart of unbelief, but they never entered in because they did not mix the word that was preached to them with faith. <clears throat> now, the reason they didn't enter into the promised land was because of a lack of faith. But then he goes on to say that there's a faith that is by rest. It's by rest. It goes down in chapter 4, verse about 11 or 12, and it talks about um, that ceasing from works. And then it has a real strange statement. It says to, to be diligent or labour the work to come in to rest. So how, how, how does this, this work? We've got to be diligent to come unto rest. And yet rest would seem to us to be the opposite. In fact, it's, it, it, in that, that um, chapter, it tells us that it's not works, it's actually by rest. So how, how, how does that work? <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to suggest this morning that one of the the key elements in this this rest area, and I don't believe it's a passiveness. I don't believe it's like taking a nap. It's it's a, it's actually a, it's a heart condition. I think one of the key elements in rest, or why it is it is an important facet of our warfare, is it's in the place of rest that we learn to hear the voice of God. We learn, we learn to hear the voice of God. We, 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 we position ourselves to come into that place of just rest and we just before the Lord and just say, Lord, it's about you. It's a place of coming into an encounter or experience in the presence of God. And it's from that place, from that encounter or that experience, then then we can go out and we can then with confidence do the works that God wants us to do. If we put the works, <coughs> excuse me, first, we're likely to wear ourselves out. If we put the rest first and then move into what God wants us to do, we can do it in peace and joy is the fruit of that. I want to encourage you this morning to, to actually... <laughs> I'm going to kick that off soon. I'm walking so close to the edge here. Um, I want to encourage you this morning, and, and it, it, I really believe it, that it's a word for a lot of people here today, is that, is that you need to take time out to rest. You need, you need to, to get rid of the distractions that are in your head and in your thinking, you need to take stock of your busyness <clears throat> and you need to just rest. And you rest in God. And I believe it's a, it's a key for what God is going to be doing in, in, in the next you know, few months, years ahead. We desperately need the power of God. Now, I'm tired of words, even though I'm saying them this morning. Um, you know, we, we, we get to a point, particularly if you've been a Christian for a while, is that, is that we hear so much, 
We need to be able to see, we need to be able to sense, we need to be able to demonstrate what we're seeing in Scripture and what, what, we, what we're believing for. And one of the keys, it's not, there's many keys obviously, but I think for some here today, it's, it's taking that time to rest in God. It's part of our warfare. It's part of the strategy of overcoming the works of the evil one. It's resting. So I want to challenge you this morning just to, just to take some time out to discipline, to take a spot of time out and absolutely, and do nothing. Don't even try and pray. Don't even study. Just do nothing. And just, just be with God. Now, if you have difficulty with that, because if you're like me, you will, because the, the brain doesn't just automatically disengage, <laughs> is, well, then start thinking about who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done. Just start thinking about who Jesus is, what he's done for you, who you are. You're a son and daughter. Most of them, you know, the, the, the greater one is within you. Start thinking about those, those sort of things. Or if, or if you can't do that, find, find some sort of inner sanctuary which is a, you know, find a happy place. You know, think about the, the testimonies, the things that God has done. Find, find something happy. So if, you, if you're struggling to actually discipline your mind, go to some of those places. But I really encourage you this morning to actually seriously contemplating taking time out to rest and see the value of that. Because in that place of rest, you will hear God's voice. You'll put yourself in a position where you can hear the voice of God. You can experience the Lord. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? So two things, two things this morning. All I've said, two things. The battle is already won. <clears throat> You're not fighting to win the battle, it's won. You're fighting to take territory. And part of, part of the strategy of us doing that in, in the armour of God and our warfare is actually this whole area of rest. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. Peace and rest are part of the, part of the kingdom. We're going to take communion. I wonder if the ushers could... Um, come and distribute the communion this morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just got, um, there's a, a verse in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. <clears throat> and, it, and it says that we're to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We're to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we grow in grace? When, when, it, when, it's, a, when it's something free. Grace is God's favour, it's a gift. It's something we don't earn, it's something that is given to us. How do we grow in something that's already given? We think of growth, you know, if, you, if you're going to a gym, you're growing your muscles, you're, you're pumping, pumping weights and so forth. We think of growth as something we've got to do, we've got to, got to work. This here says, grow in grace. This says, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting in, in Second Peter where this is that, that Peter was addressing some, some issues in the church. There was false doctrine, there was a whole lot of junk and stuff going. Rather than telling the people, well, you've got to work harder, you've got to pray more, you've got to go out and do this, you've got to do that, he said, grow in grace. 
Grow in God's favour. Grow in the fact that God has already done it for you. And how do you do that? You grow in it in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning as you take communion, I encourage you just to think about Jesus. What Jesus has done for you. Think about that He, he won the victory for you. He redeemed you of all the sins and all the stuff of the past that's completely done away. There is absolutely nothing that separates you from God because of what Jesus did. The victory in this life and the, and the things that come against this life, the victory is already won. We have every right because of Jesus to stand and say to the, to the devil, no. We have every right to go to someone who's, who's got sickness and disease in their body and say, go in the name of Jesus. We've got every right. We've got every right to speak to the anxiety and the depression and things that can plague so many people. We've got every right to say that, no, that is not in my kingdom and it's because of Jesus. We've got every right to do that. So when you're taking communion this morning, just feel free to take it when you like. When you take communion this morning, just stand upon the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if, you, if you've never come to a personal relationship with Him, He has dealt with all the issues in your life, all the sin issues, all the things you've done. He's dealt with every single one of them on the cross. There is nothing stopping you this morning just rending and opening your life to Jesus Christ and coming into the kingdom of God. I'd encourage you, if, if you're in that position this morning, you haven't actually invited Jesus in your life, you haven't entered into this kingdom we've been talking about, that you can do so this morning and it's through Jesus that you can do that. And if, you, if that's you this morning, I just ask you to just come and see one of us later on. There's gonna be a time of worship now and then there's gonna be people up here in the front that are gonna be praying for people, if, if you're in that category where you, you, you're saying, well, I've heard all this about the kingdom, I've heard about God, I've heard about the, the devil and so forth, I don't really understand it. And you wanna know about that, you come forward at the end of the service and someone will introduce you to Jesus. Because He is the way. Have we said, the kingdom of God is righteousness. He is the way to right. He will bring you into right standing with God because He's already completed it on the cross for you. So I encourage you to do that this morning. Thank you, Father. My hand over.